Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We're so excited about today. We are getting into the Book of Numbers, and this Torah portion for this week is Shalak Lecha. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am in studio here today with Pastor Nick Plummer. Say hi, Pastor Nick. Very good, very good. Shalak Lecha. The Shalak Lecha. This is uh, where... Send for yourself. That's right, where the Israelites get their uh, their nails done. Because <laughs> it's shalak. Yeah, Shalaking. Yep, so Shalach uh, Lecha means send for yourself. You can find this in the uh, book of Numbers, chapter 13, verse 1, uh, through chapter 15, verse 41, and we are going to get started. All right, a little introduction here just to remind everyone that there are three key words found in the book of Numbers, service, war, and wilderness, service, war, and wilderness. And just another reminder, uh, we can actually... Um, break this uh, book of Numbers into three parts in regards to chronological order or three distinct events. We have the, of course, preparation for the journey, chapters 1 to 9 at Sinai. This took place within only a few weeks. Uh, Part 2, step of the journey, uh, we have the journey. Uh, Chapters 10, verse 11 through chapter 21 and verse 35 This journey consists of going to Moab in about 39 years. Last but not least, the third part or the third step to the book of Numbers, dealing with chronological order, is that this is at the gate to the land, uh, chapters 22 through 36. This is at Moab on the, uh, you know, actually on the banks of the Jordan River, the plains of Moab, and this only took place within a few months, everyone. So remember that it's going to get intense in just the days ahead here and, and the hours and, and years that we have left. But it, it, it's really increasing uh, with great intensity, we know. Uh, but the Lord's going to have his way. So this is Shalak Lacha, send for yourself. Uh, last week, we had a little bit of sibling rivalry to kick off some some trouble and complaining and different things and the whole quail situation. Um but now we're going to be moving into something that's, I would say, as just as relevant as the golden calf incident in Exodus 32. This is forever a scar on our commonwealth of Israel, on the family of Israel. We have, of course, the, uh, uh, the 12 uh, tribes that were represented by their heads to search out the land. We have uh, in Numbers chapter 13, verses 4 through 15, uh, list those 12 uh, tribes that are going to be... Uh, sending out a representative from each tribe. Right, so representatives from each of these tribes uh, went to spy out the land. It was Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Issachar, Ephraim, Benjamin, Zebulun, Manasseh, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, and Gad. Very interesting. So representatives of each of the tribes are going to spy out the land. They're going to go and and check it out here. But uh, we have another name for uh, Joshua in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. And what is that? Right. So uh, the name is Oshea, which means salvation. And obviously we know that uh, his name was changed to right. Hoshea. Right? Very good. So we have another name for Joshua, Oshea. Uh, here we have a, uh, a great question. Numbers 13, 17. Uh, what was the reason for going into the land? 
Uh, it was to spy out the land. To check, check it out. See how everything's going over there, you know? To spy out the land. I want to remind everyone, as I read these few verses here, I'll read these for, for, for once. Um, actually, I'll go to Numbers and bring out an interesting point, to say the least. Let's see here. All right, it's part of a long chapter here. We got like. I was going to say, were you are you in Leviticus or are you in Numbers? Here we go. He does like Leviticus, folks. Oh, Leviticus is his favorite book. I don't want to go back to that right now. <laughs> I want to check out uh, Numbers thirteen seventeen. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring out the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So once again... Starts off in Numbers 13, 17, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan uh, and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. So what is the season of the first ripe right, right, What part of the year Oh, we're going to get into all that, but, the, but just think about this. Who actually initiated this whole spy program to go into the land? But I want to remind everyone in Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 21. Check this out. It says right here, uh, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. So, I want to make an interesting point here because I think all of us need to understand this. And this is it right here. God did not send the spies into the land to see if they could take it or not. God was giving them the land and wanted them to see what they would get. Now, we talk about the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this movement. Yes. But I will assure you of this. I will assure you beyond a shadow of a doubt based upon the scriptures. We are witnessing the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. And once again, these, these guys, these 12 leaders, these, these spies, I call them tourists. They should have been tourists, you know, where they're going to go into the land and say, wow, check this out and check that out. But we know this story is going to go south pretty quick. They went in up from the south. And of course, Moses told them to bring back uh, the fruit of the land. It was the time of the first ripe grapes. Uh, as we even move into uh, question number six, uh, Numbers thirteen twenty three, what three types of fruit did they bring back from the land? Uh, so three types of fruit. They brought back grapes, uh, pomegranates, and figs. Right. So grapes, pomegranates, and figs. If you look at Israel's agricultural calendar, uh, grapes are, are coming into season around the end of June to October. Then we have the pomegranates, August to September. And then, of course, figs is August to September. So it would seem to me uh, it would be, of course, late summer that all of this took place. And oh, and by the way, we do not start the summer season until June 21st. And I believe that today is June 5th. Um, 
So just something to think about. It was the time of the first ripe grapes. So so basically, you're heading into summer. You're heading into the harvest and uh, grapes and pomegranates, pomegranates and, and figs is what they brought back. Now, uh, how long did it take the 12 spies to spy out the land in Numbers 13, 25? Interesting number, 40 days. It took them 40 days. 40 days yeah. to spy out the land and to come back and give a report. So 40 means testing. Uh, we can reflect on this in the uh, story of Noah. It rained for 40 days. Genesis chapter 7, verse 17. It rained for 40 days. We, of course, have Yeshua in the wilderness. Tempted for 40 days. Tempted. And uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And, of course, he came out of that. And uh, what happened? He passed the test. He did. He passed the See, test. See, Yeshua passed the test, whereas we're going to find out here shortly that these guys, uh, not so much. Very interesting, you know. Look and see real quick if he was baptized before that. Uh, no, I think he comes out of the wilderness and gets baptized right afterwards, right? It's uh, what was it, which is chapter Matthew four? chapter four verses one through eleven. Four, Let's look at this 11. chronological order that the, whatever the children of Israel experienced, so Yeshua also experienced. Uh, oh yes. no, you were right. He so okay. If Matthew is in chronological order, then right before he was tempted. He gets baptized. He's baptized, and then boom, he goes into the wilderness. Yeah, and so it's like a picture of our life, Ryan. We become born again. We we're baptized in water, and let the games begin. Well, basically, what we've done. And then life begins, and the test begins, the maturity begins, the learning curves begin, and this is a picture for all of us to learn and to be hopeful of. That then he goes into the wilderness and he quotes the word, right? And uh, and the devil leaves him. Think about this. And then he begins his ministry. Think think about this for for every new believer. before the point where you're you're saved, before you're born again, you're just a spectator, right? You're in the you're on the sidelines. You haven't put on a jersey yet. And the minute you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the salvation of God, you put on a jersey, and now the enemy is gunning for you, right? He's on the opposing team. He's on the field, and he's ready to take you out. And so, if he can take you out right as you step on the field, then you know that's a quick win for him. He doesn't want you to gain maturity and strength. Right, and that's that's where we're at. Also, just remind everyone that the season of Teshuvah consists of the month of Elul and 10 days in Tishri, which is 40 days. Um, what did the spies say that the land flowed with in Numbers 13, 27? Milk and honey. Oh, milk and honey, you know. I love to have that half and half in my coffee in the morning, and I like to have my Earl Grey tea in the early evening with honey. Very interesting. The land of milk and honey. So uh, what did Caleb say in Numbers 1330 that was so profound right out of the gate, you know? And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are all able to overcome it. Wow, boy, the, the cup's half full for him. Yeah, and uh, he's going at it. He, he's, he's a good witness. He's, he's having a good report. Now, now, what kind of report was given about the land in Numbers 1332? Ooh, an evil report. Not just a bad, an evil report. So we're talking about, Ooh. you know, we're going to basically find out that Caleb and Joshua give a good report, but the other 10 give an evil report, the 10 other spies, and they even make reference to, hey, you know, we're like grasshoppers among the giants. Uh, that's, of course, found in Numbers 13.33. Maybe Ryan could just read that. Uh, this is definitely a negative Negative report here. Yep, yep. And it says in uh, Numbers 13.33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Wow. You know, I want to encourage all of you that are involved in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, 
and practicing your faith and believe that the Torah's teachings and instructions and keeping the Shabbat and all the things that we're doing, I want to encourage you that this is applicable for all of us in the times in which we live, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it amounts to two things, you know. What are we speaking and what are we believing for? So basically, uh, who lifted up their voices, cried and wept that night after they heard the evil report? Numbers 14 and verse 1. Now we're in chapter 14. Yep, this is all the congregation. Now I want to make this very clear, everyone. I want you to think about this, how important this is. Ten men gave an evil report. So ten men influenced at least 2.5 million people. Ten leaders, ten people influenced at least 2.5 million people. So I don't want to hear this, that I don't have any influence, that I don't matter. I don't make a difference. Why don't you go on social media and look at these people that, 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 that have all these followers. Yeah. And influence. Yep. Uh, they have their own, uh, you know, everything news outlet yeah. or whatever it is, you know, or you're a celebrity or you're a sports star. And, and it's amazing. I don't have time to get into all of that because, you know, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. But really, you know, what kind of influence should we be having at this time? I wonder uh, what the Twitter you know, battle was like. It's, it's when, just unbelievable. You were know, going back and forth and they were like, Oh, it's terrible. And, and you know, uh, Caleb and Josh up there, they're like, fake news. <laughs> That's yeah. fake news. That's right. I mean, think about it. You know, what do you believe and whose report will you believe? That's an awesome He's like, song. look at these networks and the way they're covering, you know, the land. It's fake right. news. Oh, I tell He says, you. but look at what they say about this land. They say Moab is great. Check the facts. Do a fact check. That's factometer. Right. So uh, the children of Israel, they murmured against Moses and Aaron in Numbers 14, too. And, uh, and, and, and the sad thing was, you know... Um, the congregation actually believed that their wives and children would, would be prey uh, if they entered the land, Numbers 14.3. Once again, 14.3, their wives and children would be a prey. Oh, you know, oh, no, we can't go into the land. You know, it's not safe. It's not good. Ryan, this is amazing to me. When, when, when I would go to Israel, be planning to go to Israel, and people are planning to go to Israel from Beit Tehillah, and, and people would actually confront them and say, aren't you afraid? See, times haven't changed, Ryan. No, they haven't. They think Israel is some scary country or scary place because of terrorism. Listen, it's safer than you even know. It's safer than you think. I mean, you look at the homicide rate in Chicago or, or even the capital, Washington, <laughs> D.C., or whatever. Yeah. I'm telling you, uh, Lithia Pinecrest is dangerous. I'm telling you, it's more dangerous yeah, there's than n- Jerusalem. There's nothing new but, under but the sun. But don't fear for your children, people. No. You are the children of the promise. We are returning, us and our children, and we pray that over them, we speak that over them, and, and that's what, what's found in Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 3. So here's the interesting thing now. So they murmured, and they, and they, and they get the lowdown, and they realize they're not going to go into the promised land. But here's the interesting thing in Numbers 14, 4. Did the children of Israel want to appoint a captain and return to Egypt? Yeah, because they're stupid. Listen to this. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. What What in the world? They're, they're, this is an all-out rebellion. It is. Well, and I'll tell you what. I mean, we, we can sit here and we could say that, right, and beat them up. But, I mean, if we're in that position, are, are we any less guilty of doing this to God today? I, I would probably say probably not. I'm probably just as guilty as they are. As much as I want to yell at them, I'm really just yelling at myself. Well, he's really, you know, God's disappointed in him at this time. It's like the golden calf incident. You know, it's a major, major event, a major event. And uh, what two people fell on their faces before all the assembly? Numbers 14.5. Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron, right? They, uh, they begin to intercede. That's one of the things I've learned as a pastor 
is to make intercession, not accusation, and just really pray, pray for the people. And uh, of course, uh, of the twelve spies, which two gave a good report? Numbers fourteen six. This is uh, Joshua, son of Nun, of the tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of Judah. So wait a second. The... Ephraim and Judah. What? The two houses. What? And and both of these gentlemen were in Egypt. They were in the wilderness for forty years, and they entered into the promised land. Why? Because they spoke the right things. They were part of the community, and they got to go into the promised land, and they believed. So who's in the promised land today? Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Judites. Judah, That's right. Judah is in the, the land. Jewish people. So who, who still needs to come to the land? We're a little behind. We are, man. We that's are, the way God intended it. You know, the barley comes up before the wheat. They're both planted at the same time, but barley represents the Jewish people. Listen, it's represents true. the natural branches, or whatever, and then you have the uh, the wheat coming up later. But Joshua is is a great leader. I would even venture to say that he has the spirit of God upon him, and that he has his stuff together. That he's a great leader, and we need to be modeling Joshua. We need to be stepping up and taking our rightful place in the house of Israel, and saying, enough is enough. We need to stop the foolishness. We need to stop, uh, you know, the, the bickering over this or that, and Ephraim attacking Ephraim, and we need to unite as one group, as the house of Israel, and saying, we want to restore and regather the whole house of Israel with our brother Judah. Now, now, hear me out on this, Ryan. This is the interesting thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He just brought this out. We can't go backwards. They're crying out, well, let's just go back to Egypt. Yes, Right, it would be better for us to die in Egypt. You know, yeah, no, I don't want to go back here. to Egypt. And let, let's just go back to Egypt. So think about, you know, how far the Father has brought you along, and let's look at those victory laps, because we can't go back. You know, God takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. That's true. And that Aleph Beta video last night makes a great point about, about hope. About hope. About how what we do is we think about the past and we escape Egypt because it was so terrible. But then somehow our brains play this little trick on us to want us to go back to that because the, the future is what? We, we, we make up things and we start changing what we remember about the past because the, we don't, the unknown is more scary than the known. What they say, the devil you know is better right. than the devil you don't know. You know, I want what the Father has for me, not what, for I, not for what I have for me. Right. I mean, you know, when I had control over my own life, it wasn't good. No. <laughs> it was like a Stephen King novel. But yeah. I tell you, when you let the Lord be the author and finisher of your faith and write your story, it is incredible. So here we go. Now, here goes the minority. The minority is going to take a hit. Joshua and Caleb are going to take a hit. What did the congregation want to do to Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 14.10? They want to stone them. They want to stone them. See, people don't like this, this message right. when you're positive and, and encouraging about Israel and different things, you know. And, and even all these artists that want to perform in Israel, you know, my, my hat goes off to them that, you know, they're not going to put up with this BDS movement and boycott Israel. They want to go and perform and be in Israel. And, and a lot of these musicians and artists are even Jewish themselves. So it's interesting how God is actually stirring it up. So now we're going to have this situation where there's a, a crisis. Things are all happening, going on. Uh, they want to stone Caleb and Joshua. Uh, what appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation in Numbers 14.10? The glory of the Lord. Uh-oh. Now the glory of the Lord is going to appear. See, I want to encourage all of you in something. When you want to do something that is right, and there's a conflict, or there's an antagonizer, or there's the skeptics, the critics, rise above that group, because I'm going to tell you why. The glory of the Lord is coming. You know, the glory of the Lord will be there in that situation, and I feel it. 
I feel his presence. When I had to go through something and I had critics and something was going on, I just held my course and I felt his glory. I felt the freedom of his glory. Amen. You know what? This is this is funny. It reminds me of that cliche of like the kids are just running rampant all day, you know, uh, uh, messing up the house, acting a fool or whatever. It's summertime, right? Uh, here in Florida, the school school let out either last week or the week before. And so the kids are at home just driving mom nuts. And so the, then what happens in the evenings? Daddy comes home, right? So here the Israelites are acting a fool, giving uh, Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb a, a hard time. And then the glory, the glory of the Lord comes down, and what does he do? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. In Numbers 14, 12, what two things did the Lord want to do to the children of Israel? He wanted to smite them with pestilence and disinherit them. Smite them with pestilence and disinherit them. You know, this is right up there with the golden calf. Incident. It is. It you is. can it's actually the same thing, yeah. put them side by side. There's no contrast. There's a lot of parallels. But, but here, here we go. Did the Lord want to take Moses and make a greater nation mightier than the children of Israel? That's correct. Numbers 14, 12. Yes. He said, Moses, I'm going to take you and, and make a people out of you. But, you know, in Numbers 14, 20, did the Lord pardon the people because of Moses and spare their lives? He did. And I'll tell you what, if, I mean, if I'm Moses in this position, I mean, I would have probably been worn down by this point by these people and been like, you know what, Lord? I didn't think you were going to give me this offer a second time because I've been thinking about it, you know. <laughs> Maybe I'll take you up on it now, but no, Moses. No. Moses, man, he The he people were interceded. a burden to him. He was even saying, you know, kill me, take me. These people are a burden. And if you're thinking about two and a half million people, you know, I can just I could just imagine. Um, so, yes, the people are going to be pardoned. But uh, Numbers 14, 22, how many times did the people tempt the Lord and refuse to hearken to his voice? Ten times now in the day sanitated bible he lists those 10 things those 10 events uh, you could do a study it on yourself but literally 10 times they tempted the lord you know we are not to tempt the lord but 10 times they tempted the lord and so now we're going to see where you reap what you sow we're going to see what disobedience is going to bring you in numbers 14 29 ryan's going to read that that's right court was adjourned and here is the sentence God says, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Wow, 20 years old and upward. That's a lot of people. That's a whole generation, basically. So 20 and up isn't going to make it. Yep. 20 years old and upward. What a bummer, man. So if you were 19, you were okay. 20 and up. (laughs) And you were praising God that day, weren't you? Now, who are the only two people mentioned over 20 who will go into the land, Numbers 1430? That's going to be Joshua and Caleb, man. Caleb and Joshua. Once again, Caleb Caleb and Joshua. Did the Lord say that he would bring their little ones into the land, Numbers 1431? He did. Because God is merciful. That's why. I want to shed a little light on something that a lot of people don't realize. Everyone's trying to figure out the story of Job. Yeah. If you do a... CSI Job story here and just do do an investigation. Basically, Job feared for his children and he kept offering up these sacrifices and offerings because he feared for his children. So the thing that he feared the most came upon him. That's right. And he lost his children. You know, we can only do so much as parents, as mothers and fathers and, and, and everything. And, and we just have to do the best that we can. But, but we just can't, you know, uh, control them so much and, and just 
strangle them, you know, almost. It's like, what are we doing with their lives? And what are we doing? You know, we have to give them to the Lord. They have a free will. They're going to become of the age of accountability. But, you know, the little ones are going to make it. And this is the hope that I have, uh, that we would return us and our children. And uh, one-third of our congregation is youth and children, folks. You cannot make this up. And, and we're probably closing in on the 40% mark. But but once again, you're going to look at uh, Numbers 14.34. Let's read that, the All punishment. Right. Here we go. After the number of the days which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Wow. 40 days? You're going to get 40 years and 42 encampments. Once again, they're going to camp out at 42 different places over 40 years. And I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 3, verses 15 through 19, so that we can get a better understanding of what's unfolding here, what's going to actually take place, because it is relevant for all of us as, as believers, as Christians, as his sons and daughters. It says in Hebrews three fifteen, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? (laughs) And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? Verse 19 of Hebrews 3. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, it's interesting interesting because it says here uh, about his voice. Today, if you will hear his voice. So he's telling Moses to tell the people, you're going to take the land. You're going into the land. I'm bringing you into the land. I'm giving you the land to possess. You know, Ryan, as as the pastor of Beit Tehillah, I've shared some incredible things with this congregation. I believe every word that I have shared. I believe every, every single word. Because we are seeing the most incredible things happening here at Beit Tehillah. I don't have time to even get into it all, but but I believe that we should serve and love the church, and I believe we should love and serve the, the synagogue. There's something happening, and we're a church agog, basically, with these opportunities that a lot of people don't even get. So just think about that. And so how did the Lord describe the congregation in Numbers 14.35? This verse is worth reading. It was one of the ones that stuck with me. Uh, Just hear this. It says, I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Oh, You know, I did a little study on the word evil, and I'll have to confirm it later, but but you can do a little study in the Strongest Concordance on this word evil. The, The basic root of it, Ryan, it means nothing. Yeah. It comes out to zero, not a... Zilcho, zero. I mean, nothing. Why? Because evil doesn't exist in God's kingdom. In the future, there will be no evil. So that whole term, that word, that whole thing won't even exist. So what was the response of the people when Moses told them, you would not enter the promised land? Numbers 14, 39. What happened? They mourned greatly. They mourned greatly. You know, it's like when you punish your children. Yeah. You know, they think they're going to go to Bush Gardens the next day. Ooh. And you say, you're not going. I mean, there's tears sometimes. They're, they're all excited about this and that. And you say, hey, you're not going. No. You know, or, or you're not going here or you're not going there. And, and sometimes there can be tears. But this, this is what can happen, you know. Um, did Moses warn the people not to go up and take the land because the Lord would not be among them in Numbers 14.42? Of course. And I wonder what they're going to do with that command. <laughs> 
You know, think about it. <laughs> Moses is telling them, listen, the Lord's not going to be with you. You're doing this on your own. And so <laughs> Moses and the ark stayed in the camp while the children of Israel went up into the land. Numbers 14, 44. Once again, the Lord's not going to be with you. Moses and the ark stayed in the camp while the children of Israel tried to take the promise and tried to go in there. So how funny is this, though? It's just reverse psychology, right? They don't want to go into the land because they're giants and they're scared. Now that they can't have the land, oh, now I'm going to go. I mean, how stubborn do you have to be? You know, it's our human behavior, Ryan. It is. It absolutely is. But who came and smote the children of Israel as they entered the land in Numbers 14.45? It's the Amalekites and the Canaanites. See, if God's not with us, Ryan, it's going to be a tough, tough road. And, and I say this in all honesty, you know, the Father has really opened up some incredible doors with the Orthodox Jews contacting us and everything about us, you know, uh, being being a Hebrew roots congregation of, of non-Jews, the nations coming back and having Shabbat and the Torah. So since since this, even this year, we've had a lot of opportunities in that regard. And, and you can't make this stuff up, Ryan. I mean, it's incredible. I haven't contacted any of these people. And they're all like tied in together. It's all like a network of, of Christians and Jews working together. And it is the most fascinating thing I think I've ever seen in my life. And I really do believe that it is of God, you know. And, and once again, I don't know if you, if you realize this or not, but as we move forward in this particular uh, Torah portion, um, we're going to have, of course, uh, about what does the Lord give instructions at the beginning of chapter 15? Uh, instructions Numbers for 15. offerings. This is verses 1 through 31. We're in chapter 15 right now. So something bad happens, and then boom, instructions for offerings. It's... You know, we go back to, to last week's portion, and, and we studied it. You know, the situation with, with mirroring and, and sibling rivalry, and, and what happens, Ryan? The offering comes from the leaders. That's right. It, it's the leaders boom, bring right their afterwards. best offering, you know. And I find that interesting, you know. Uh, and in Numbers 15, verses 15 and 16, Ryan's going to read that, which is very pertinent for the situation in which we are in, dealing with people. One of my favorite verses in the whole Torah. Here we there's go. There's two of them there. I, okay. Two of my favorite verses That's better. in the whole Torah. That's it. Uh, one ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be for you for the stranger that so and for the uh, stranger that sojourneth with you. So think about this. This is very interesting. One standard for all of us. So you have the Israelites, you have the mixed multitude coming out of Egypt, you have the troublemakers, the rebel rousers, you know, and, and next thing you know, you know, God's like, you know, well, here's my pattern, here's my principle. There's still one standard. This is what I'm asking of you, sure. whether you're in the mixed multitude or the children of Israel, native born or not born in that, re- in that regard. And so this is, this is what we're seeing, you know. And, and so it, it's kind of interesting because we're actually seeing what not to do through these examples. Right. What not to do. And we could definitely, definitely learn from this, Ryan. And, and I don't have time to get into all the five tests that, that Paul talks about, uh, maybe, maybe some other time. But uh, that particular reference, if you want to look for that, uh, you can actually uh, find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Five tests that Israel will face in the future. Just go there, write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 11. Five tests that Israel will face in the future. They're all found throughout the journey that they were involved in. Now, an isolated incident is coming up right now. Yeah, but you know, you know what I love about these verses about the one ordinance? 
is that it kind of squashes the ideas that I think a lot of people have. Like, here it is in black and white. And if we believe that the words of Malachi are true, right? Because God tells the first not joke. He says, I am the Lord your God, I change. Not. (laughs) Sorry, I think it's funny. Um, That if we believe that, then here he is saying one ordinance. So if you want to serve me, Yahweh, you want to serve me, then there's one ordinance for the stranger and for the congregation. How long? For for a couple years or or Forever. for this, for this period of this this covenant right or for this dispensation however they want to uh, conceptualize it no he says forever and guess what when you read that word forever in Hebrew you know what it means forever exactly right it means forever and so very very exciting stuff I get jacked up about verses like this because it's like it's black and white it's right there it's easy to read right in King James in NIV and ESV you know absolutely but but the thing we also have to remember is this you know as a group <laughs> individuals make up a, a group amen and you're going to see where we can blame the whole group the whole entourage uh, but once again if you go back to the situation um, when there was sibling rivalry with Miriam, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam actually came against Moses. She was the instigator. That's right. She was put outside the camp. That is an isolated incident, is it not? Correct. And now, so, this is last week's. Oh, yeah. So now, all of a sudden, we're seeing another isolated incident. What happened to the man who gathered sticks on the Sabbath? Numbers fifteen thirty six. The congregation stoned him. They isolated, they put him away, and the word was given from the Lord to stone him. Now... That's that's a steep punishment. Oh, that's yeah. a judgment. That is steep. So so what was the reason? Was it outright blatant rebellion? Did he did he do some other things that were involved with this to just I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick up sticks on the Sabbath. I don't care what you say. Sure. Did he did he, you know, did he thumb his nose to the Lord? I mean what what did he do, you know? I, I mean here's but what he I, was, I doubt the that congregation he... stoned him. I doubt that there was like a stick in the way of his door that people were going to trip over that he picked up and moved, right? No, this, this is, is clearly a big deal. something, something yeah. that God says, oh, really? You're going to do that? Oh, I'm taking right. you out. Exactly right. You know, God kills. God makes alive, you know, and, and that's the thing. So we're going to close out this particular Torah portion with the tzitzit. I'm going to let Ryan uh, close this particular portion out, which is very important for those of you that are wearing your tzitzit or your fringes. I'm going to let him close out these last three um questions awesome so uh, question 35 what did the lord want the people to put on the borders of their garments uh it's fringes or zitzit uh, and that's found in numbers fifteen thirty-eight. uh and then was each fringe to have a ribbon or a thread of blue through it the answer again is yes and so what is written for the reason for the zitzit so he says you know wear the seats, and then here's the reason for wearing the zitzit he says you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring. Awesome verse. Uh, I think it's very cool that uh, it's kind of like the what would Jesus do bracelet of uh, the Israelites, uh, except this one is commanded by God. And he says, do this so that you will not only remember my commandments, but then once you remember them, you will do them. You know what comes to my mind? And this is very interesting. Uh, There is no Greek word for fringes or seats. So when the woman reached out, it says he, you know, he felt somebody touch him. She right. grabbed the hem of his garment. Right. She literally grabbed his seats. That's it right. It says she knew that there was a prophecy. There would be healing in his wings because the seats are also called wings. Right. So she grabbed the seat. 
you know, the hem of his, of his, of his, of his garment. Sure. And she was healed. And it's very interesting, you know, uh, as you even look at, you know, in reference to 10 men from the nations, right? Yeah. You know, what's also interesting what, what about is that? that all about that it will grab the hem of, or the, the, or the, the seats of stuff. him who is a Jew and right. say, we know that God is with you. We want to go with you. Well, there's two things on that. That's interesting. There's two things on that. One is that, you know, we should be learning from the Jewish people. Uh, but the other side of that is that it's Yeshua. Yeshua is the Jew that we should be learning from. So I like that. Um, you know what else is cool uh, about about uh, Yeshua wearing tzitzit? Uh, he is the one who wrote the Torah, right? So he gave the Torah on Mount Sinai. And him being the one that gave the Torah on Mount Sinai is also wearing the tzitzit that are a reminder so if he wears them, you know, I think that it's uh, it's worthwhile. And that's the thing of Beit Tehillah. You know, that's the option you have at Beit Tehillah to wear Zitzis and not wear Zitzis. That's the question. But, you know, what a great opportunity, though. Know? And I know that uh, we don't have time to go into all the, the other details, but uh, they have this thing on the Land of Israel Network with Yishai Fleischer. And uh, maybe you want to share about the True Blue Oh, Jew. that's right. So so uh, they have, in recent years, so, so if you've ever noticed Zitzis, so uh, long tassels, uh, if you've noticed like a, a Haredi or an Orthodox Jew um, wearing tzitzit, you'll see that there's no thread of blue in them. And the reason for that is from a, a, a rabbinical perspective, uh, they didn't have the the correct blue to use because the blue that they were calling techelet is, is created um, by a special dye uh, that is believed to be uh, produced by a snail uh, that was in the land uh, of Israel. And so they have in recent years discovered this snail, and the rabbinical authorities in Israel have confirmed that this is, in fact, the correct uh, dye, and that it is the correct blue to be used, and so they're dyeing um, a thread for the tzitzit now, and they're calling it techelet, and you can go to techelet.com, and you can buy the actual orthodox uh, blue uh, tzitzit if you were to want uh, to do so. And Nishay uh, and Fleischer makes a joke, and he calls it, uh, once you do that, then you'll be a true blue Jew. That's right. And so, um, anyways, uh, awesome, awesome tour portion. A lot of lessons that we can learn from it. I think the basic thing here is uh, trust in God. <laughs> Just trust Him. When you have doubt and fear and all these things and worry come into your life, look to God and say, I trust you. And remember, obedience brings the blessing. So, uh, we're praying for you guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can uh, go online and uh, reach us uh, through our contact us tab at topraise.net. You can email me at ryan at topraise.net. And then also you can call the office at 813-654-2222. And then remember, uh, every week our services are live streamed uh, online at topraise.net. Just go to the, the live stream section of the site. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Amen.